your home of the pins and the best pins coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Break the Matt Mertz Plumbing giving you the Mark Madden Show on the 5 o'clock hour. Tim Ben's in for Mark. We open up with a very simple question for hockey fans in Pittsburgh tonight. What would you rather be this evening? Black and gold or red, white, and blue? I was surprised at the amount of people who called earlier in the program and said that they'd rather be watching Sens Pens tonight than real NHL players in Olympic men's hockey. Why? You're going to get the Penguins and Senators. You're going to get the Penguins and Kings. You're going to get all 82 games anyway. Why don't you want to watch it from a selfish standpoint as a fan? I just think there's a little bit too much, I don't know, sheep following the sheepdog here. Too many lemmings willing to jump off the NHL cliff. As a fan, I'm upset that there are no Olympic hockey players out there on the rink for the men tonight or throughout the course of the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I'm into all 82 Penguin games, but they weren't going to come at the sacrifice of Olympic hockey. The mechanics to get the NHL players in the Olympics, yeah, it's difficult. The scheduling, it's difficult. The risk to injury, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, you know, apparently the IIHF was willing to take over the insurance, willing to take over the travel, so that part could have been overcome. Like, when you try to rationalize why we're not watching really good Olympic hockey, you still have to come back to the bottom line of it's just dollars and cents. And doesn't that make you mad? Like, that, this is just a financial thing. This is a marketing thing. This is a splitting up of the pie discussion much more so than it is, oh, we're saving Sidney Crosby so he doesn't get hurt for the Penguins or Ovechkin he doesn't get hurt for the Capitals. No, they're not. If they were, they wouldn't have let him play before. This is, we don't feel like we're getting a big enough chunk. And that's where the angst should come in, I think. If you missed it today, part of the reason we got in this conversation was Alexander Ovechkin was kind of snarky with Darren Drager. Not to Darren, but towards Gary Bettman. The conversation went like this. Darren to Ovi. Hey, watch the Olympics? No. Not even hockey? Eh, hockey, but nothing else. Thanks, Bettman. So clearly Ovechkin's still ticked, and I think a lot of players are being more politically correct than they want to be because I think they would like to be there. It's maybe been a bit muted because of the reaction that some players have been... The way the questions have been phrased, like, hey, are you happy that the season isn't being broken up? Are you happy that you're just maintaining your schedule? Are you happy that uh, you don't have to go all the way over there, then come back in the span of 17 days? And from that standpoint, of course, they're all going to couch their comments, but uh, I'd like to see a higher quality brand of hockey in the Olympics. And and I feel like an opportunity is being missed from a fan standpoint. I get the logistics. I get the arguments. And I don't think we have to rehash all of them, but... I've just been surprised at how many people are willing to embrace the reasons why the men don't have their best players in this game. And I guess I will pose the question to you then in the 5 o'clock hour a little bit differently than I did to open up the show. If you're in favor of them being there, just from a fan standpoint, why? Like, from a fan standpoint, you can't walk away from the NHL for three weeks for this? Just from a hockey fan standpoint, you can't divorce yourself from two weeks of no Penguin games to get all those Penguin players involved in something where rooting matters? 
I'll come back to the way I said it before. 99 times out of 100, I'm black and gold before red, white, and blue when it comes to sports. But for these two weeks with this brand, I want to be red, white, and blue first. 412-333-9939. Get your reaction. You can also tweet me, at Tim Benz PGH. But I want to hear from all hockey fans on this, not just Penguins fans, but... Yeah, you know, I, I just I I don't see the um, like we were talking about with Stan. Stan and I were debating this that you know the growth of the game argument. I, I don't know how the NHL is grown from a league standpoint. Stan said, take it away from markets that already have teams and put it in markets where you don't have teams. I don't see how a guy from Lawrence, Kansas, gets any more hockey interest by having the NHL play because he ain't going to watch the Kings and Blackhawks or the Pens and Sens, but he would watch Team USA because that's the appeal of the game. For him. He has a rooting interest. And that's the differentiation that I see. And The reasons why the logistics, the politics, each and every, it all makes sense. I get it. And I've read and I've followed. I, I just think from a fan emotional rooting standpoint, there's something to be gleaned from having the games exist with the best players on the ice. Joy is calling from the car. Hi, Joy. I understand why some fans want to see the NHL players play in the Olympics, but I think the Olympics should be for amateurs. Okay, but and they're not why- now. I mean, like these are not amateurs that are playing. These are AHL guys. They're just not NHL guys. They're less good professionals. So they're not, yeah, I'll... I guess that makes sense. So I mean, that, there's some college kids. I think the I think the Americans have. To be fair, I think the Americans have four college kids, if I remember correctly, and everybody else is like, you know, a, a professional who's playing overseas that came back, or an AHL guy who's retired, or something to that effect. And that's the big problem, Joy. Is even the best amateurs can't play because, or, sorry, amateur age. The best amateur age kids are drafted and on two way contracts, so they're not allowed to play, even if they're in the AHL. Therein lies the dilemma. Brian in East Liberty. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Good. Um, You're on. Go ahead. Well, my opinion about the hockey in the Olympics is uh, I the way the season's gone for the Penguins. You know, started out horrible and it's on a you know upward swing. And um, I damn sure don't want Sidney Crosby getting knocked out for the season playing for Team Canada. That's just. That's just what it boils down to for me. I don't think it's as important as. So you were you against. Know, so you were against. Hold on, hold on, up. Brian. First of all, you're calling from a meat truck by any chance? No. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> were you against the Olympics when they did them a few years ago? Four years ago. Were you against them then? No, I, no, not against it. No. Like when no. it's happening, are you thinking to yourself, "I don't want to be watching this right now because Sidney Crosby might get hurt." No, 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 no. Okay, well, I just, I just mean that it shouldn't be brought back. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, that was my point. I just, I like the fact that you know we could win three in a row, and I don't want it jeopardized by the Olympics. Well, it is all about us. Let's be honest. No one else should have any fun in Olympic hockey because Pittsburgh's on the verge of a third Stanley Cup. Cut and dry. Get back on your golf cart, Brian. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine, or tweet me at Tim Benz PGH. None of these were issues. Four years ago. Now they're an issue. Why? Because they f- couldn't figure out how to divvy up the pie. That's why. Um, we got Jesse Marshall coming up. We'll talk to him for the hockey show. 
And we'll talk to him about the rise of Riley Shea, and that's at 535. Bunch of calls lined up about the hockey situation. Hang in there. We're going to talk hockey. We come back. Also, Aaron Hernandez is still going to kill people in death. I'll tell you what. In the afterlife, he's going to come back and kill more people. I have specifics how. Next. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, sexy? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Because I know more about a Nazi than any man alive. The X at 105.9. Mike Pursuta just called me during the commercial break. I, I know it's schwanz. Like, an, there's no... It's not like the Mel Brooks Yiddish phrase for... No, it's schwanz. Or schwanzes. Yes. I'm just saying it too fast. I know how it's spelled. I know the difference. Like I said, I've seen a Mel Brooks movie or two. I know where he's coming from. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Is the 5 o'clock hour. Brought to you by Chapina Restaurant and Cigar Bar. The city's best seafood and chop house located in the Strip. I believe they get their meat from Schwanz's. All right. Um, Bob and I were just watching during the commercial break. Uh, more Olympic coverage. What's your name again? Michaela what? Michaela Schifrin. The slalom skier. Since I don't have hockey in the Olympics, I'm just watching for the hot babes. She was just doing an exercise where, you know, like you have that little wheel at the gym for your abs. You know, you just do the little wheel on your knees back and forth to give yourself a six-pack. She was doing that with a 45-pound weight on her back, and she was pushing a bar with plates on either side. Like Even James Harrison thought that was pretty good. Got the Hockey Night Show coming up next. Oh, real quick before I go back to the Hockey and Olympic calls. Aaron Hernandez... There's a uh, debate going on about the movie rights. Like There are multiple people. I guess there's a movie script or the movie rights are out there on the street right now for the Aaron Hernandez movie. And there's a battle going on between two producers, one of whom produced Saving Private Ryan. I, I don't remember what his name was, but it's, you know, I don't know which studio he's with, but whatever studio is. So like, there's that guy, and then there's another guy. And the other guy, apparently, according to TMZ, the second guy is threatening the first guy for the movie rights. He claims he has the rights already and is saying, if you infringe on these, I'm going to sick the Latin kings on you. And apparently there's like a small little element of truth to this. Like the, I don't know if he's got some sort of tie to the Latin kings or something like that, but they want him to do the movie. So Aaron Hernandez is going to cause death even after his own death. Because apparently the Latin Kings are mad and they want to get involved in this, and they're gonna they're gonna sick their forces on this first guy who wants to get the Aaron Hernandez rights. Until of course that guy pays them off because he's got Saving Private Ryan money, and then they bump off the other guy, which is exactly how it's gonna go. Right, let's go back to the hockey calls. Let's talk to John on line three from Ambridge. Go ahead, John. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was listening to uh, this whole thing with the Olympics hockey. I do remember an issue four years ago where there were a lot of callers, a lot of fans, and even a couple radio hosts who definitely brought up the issue of it being too much risk to just have our guys playing for different countries' teams and the NHL and our fans not getting anything in return. I no, it was a conversation. I was part of that conversation. Doesn't mean I still doesn't mean I don't miss the Olympics with quality players in it this year, though. And obviously, the NHL back then didn't didn't see it to be as high of a risk to keep them out. You know, I'm not debating that that wasn't talked about. I'm just saying that the real reason. Let's just acknowledge the real reason why it's not happening. It doesn't have to do with risk of injury to the players. 
If they cared that much about the risk of injury to the players, they wouldn't have the World Cup and risk Sidney Crosby breaking his leg a week before camp started. It's not about injury. It's about divvying up the pie in a way to make everybody happy. That's what it is. Missy is calling from the car. Hi, Missy. Go ahead. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. Just one comment about a previous caller that was so worried about Sid getting hurt. Um, I think Sid and the rest of these players have ten times more chance of getting hurt in NHL games than they would if they played in the Olympics. But regardless of that... Yeah, but it's not uh, that's not really an apples-to-apples apples thing, though, Missy, because you're still you're playing in the NHL to make the playoffs, to qualify for the playoffs. Now, if you want to take the conversation a step further and say if the playoffs are that big of a deal for the NHL, which they are... And you want to shave thirty games off, thirty regular season games off the schedule? Oh, I'd listen to that, but then again, that's about <laughs> divvying up the pie, right? Yeah. Well, I really miss the NHL uh, players in the Olympics personally. Um, I mean, I love getting to see some of our players, like Oli, you know, going to play for Finland and and all that different stuff, and and getting to actually take someone like Kessel. And this year, he had been with like Austin Matthews. It's like the all-star team of every country. And if you're an actual NHL fan and not just a Penguins fan, then you could get something out of watching every game. And that's what I miss most. Well, Missy, I'll say this. Phil Kessel should be the one-man exception for the NHL players because you could send him over there and you know he's never going to get hurt. Dwayne calling from the car. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, how you doing? Good. I uh, totally agree with uh, all of your points, and I also agree with uh, all the other points, especially you know the, the the girl that just called in before. But for me, and personally, it is really about the injury. Um, I'm much more of a, I'm an NHL fan, but I'm much more of a Penguin fan. And I think the one thing that I remember that sticks in the back of my head is four years ago, John Tavares was playing for the Canada team. And the Islanders were having a pretty decent season, and he got injured and was out almost the whole rest of the season, and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and you're right about that, and there's no avoiding that. The frustration that I have with the whole notion, though, that it's an altruistic thing on behalf of the players to protect themselves from themselves or the organizations from bad luck um, I, I just think is being disingenuous to the people who do want to see Olympic hockey with the top players uh, at the you know top of their game. I, I, I just think that the reasons being offered up aren't real. <laughs> They're not the real reason why you're not seeing it. But we'll continue to talk about this and other hockey-related matters for the Hockey Night Show. It is next. Um, if you want to call in to not just talk about the Olympics, but also talk about the Penguins, we can. Jesse Marshall is going to do that. He's going to join us. Actually, I said 535 before. I meant 545. Jesse will be on with us uh, at 545 before we get to the Sens Pens pregame show for the game tonight up at PPG Paints Arena. Phone lines are open to talk Penguins and Senators. Also want to play back something that Gord Wilson said, uh, which was very interesting about the guys that the Penguins might be interested in grabbing from Ottawa. We'll do that too. 412-333-9939. Hockey calls only next. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. It's the Exit 105.9 Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. On your home for the best Pens coverage and the best hockey talk. 105.9 The X. Hockey calls only here. Tim in for Mark today. It is brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. It is the Hockey Night Show. Sends and Pens tonight. Coming your way on 105.9 The X. You know, something else I noticed here, aside, well, aside from the female hockey players wearing eyeliner, but in watching the women's game, 
There is so much open ice, it's unbelievable. Like, the space that's out there, just, it, it's weird to watch. Because not everybody is six foot one. You know, like, you see five guys out there on each side that are minimal 5'11", whereas maybe that's one of the bigger people on the ice for the women's game. And the goalies especially, when the goalies go into the butterfly, like go low along the ice, there's so much room up top. And I noticed that in the Finland game. This one goalie went in a butterfly, and this girl just roofed it. And there was so much space to go for. The size differential is unbelievable. Like you, you don't notice it until you see it, but there's nothing but white out there. There's nothing but space on the ice, and it, it really is interesting. Like it just even from a thousand miles away to notice that. But anyway, I'm just watching because that's that's all I can watch. These are the best female players in the world. Can't watch the best men's players in the world because of the Olympic rules being what they are. Uh, we're going to get some more thoughts on that in just a second. 412-333-9939. Uh, before we get too much back into the Olympic discussion, though, I wanted to play this clip from uh, Gord Miller. Sorry, Gord Wilson, who was on with us earlier, the color commentator for the uh, Ottawa Senators. He's been doing it since 1992. And he joined us, and we talked about the potential for a couple of guys in J.G. Pajot and Derek Brassard to potentially become Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is what he had to say about how either of those two would fit and whether or not Ottawa would really get rid of both of them. Well, I think anybody would fit in Pittsburgh, to be very honest with you. I think <laughs> these two certainly would. Um, I know the, the, the third-line centerman's role is uh, one that comes into question uh, with the Penguins. I don't have any doubt that either one could fill the role. Derek Broussard elevated his game uh, tremendously in postseason play last year. He got a reputation uh, as being a uh, very prominent um, big game player. I think he earned the nickname Big Game Brass in New York and um, uh, certainly had some big games for Ottawa in postseason play last year. J.G. Pajot is of similar ilk in terms of um, how he can and has had the ability to rise to the occasion in bigger games. Um, he's a great two-way centerman and a good penalty killer. Not that the Penguins need much more help than the penalty kill, but uh, Pajot could certainly help in that regard. Uh, and Derek could fill a role. There's no doubt about that. Both have some term left on their contracts. I would love to see Broussard here, if for no other reason than the fact that I don't want to see him against the Penguins anymore. 19 goals in 22 games against Pittsburgh. His shooting percentage against the Penguins during the course of his career is 17.6%. Uh, he's also not bad against the Flyers. So, you know, that <laughs> might entice you as well. Um, I, I think he's a good player. I just I don't think he's worth the price that they're asking for right now. And we'll get to the whole third-line center discussion with Jesse Marshall from The Athletic when he joins us. Jesse wrote about this extens extensively. And uh, he put some interesting tweets out there, too, regarding Shea's numbers versus Benino's numbers and how they're actually more favorable to Shea'n in a lot of ways than they are to Benino. And maybe that mitigates the need for the Penguins to go out and do something silly like give away the farm to get a guy like Derek Broussard or J.G. Pajot to fill a similar role. Uh, another point I wanted to bring up, uh, Jerry DePaula from the Trib writing about uh, Matt Murray today a little bit and uh, the numbers that he has put up since he's come back from the passing of his father he took some time off when his dad died since his return to the penguins 
Uh, Murray has recorded a 4-0-1 record, 2-7-6 goals against average, and a 9-15 save percentage. According to Jerry, this is a small sample size, but it's an improvement on his performance prior to leaving the team. 15-12-1 with a 2-93 and a 9-0-2. And, yeah, I think Murray's gotten better as the season has gone along. That's what I expected. Uh, that's kind of what I thought would be the case coming in. Uh, I expect him to have some struggles early, especially not having Matt or Marc-Andre Fleury behind him to back him up. Uh, and then, of course, he was hurt, had the injuries as well, so you have to take that into consideration. But it was kind of funny. I was listening to driving around after that Dallas game because he allowed three goals and then the uh, lost in the shootout. Boy, did I hear a lot of Marc-Andre Fleury verbiage attached to Matt Murray. Like a lot of, like three callers in a row. I was listening to Pomp. Three callers in a row. Right. You know what? I don't know if you can get away with that in the playoffs. You know what? Letting in a lot of soft goals. He's going to cost him. Good team around him. He's going to be the difference. Come on. The team's going to play better in front of him, and he'll play better too. Don't do to Murray what too many of you did to Flurry, which was why it was so weird seeing that kind of reaction when he came back with the Vegas Golden Knights. I know a lot of yins out there were the same people that were saying that crap about Flurry, and then he acted like nothing happened when he came back in another uniform. Jordan calling from the car. Hi, Jordan. Go ahead. You're on 1059 The X. Thanks, Tim. Uh, two quick points regarding the Olympic issue. Uh, first, the, the injury risk situation is overblown completely. I mean, the amount of times that a team's playoff chances has actually been dramatically impacted by an injury is minimal at best. That being said, uh, I do agree with the NHL sitting out this Olympics because of the financial reasons. Uh, the, the relationship with the IOC is completely one-sided, benefiting the IOC with the NHL assuming all the risks. So I just don't see why the NHL... Well, what about the IIHF offsetting some of that with their offer uh, to pick up the uh, insurance and travel costs? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, that's part of it. But, I mean, in terms of you know, the merchandising, the logo usage, all of that, the, the IOC still... Yeah, the use, uh, the use of replay on the platforms and marketing and that sort of thing digitally. Um, yeah, I, I agree. But that's... I, I'm with you, Jordan. I just wish they would make it sound like it was really about that as opposed to, well, we're worried about our players and I wish there would be more... Um, it, it's sort of like a Pirates thing about why they're making the moves that they're doing. Just kind of, don't lie to me. You know, like, don't make it sound like we're trying to protect our guys from themselves or trying to protect our organizations. Uh, make it sound... If it's dollars and cents, then tell us. But you can't win a PR game that way, I suppose. That's kind of my takeaway from it. I'm just more... I'm more put off by the presentation than I am the facts about it. Yeah, it's a lot of risk. No doubt about it. I, I, I've never argued against that. In fact, I brought it up four years ago. All right, we come back. Jesse Marshall, we'll talk to him about uh, Matt Murray. We'll talk to him about Broussard. We'll talk to him about the state of the Penguins moving forward as the playoffs are around the corner. Uh, we hope. Talk to Jesse Marshall from The Athletic next here on 105.9 The X. It's the X's Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. The best hockey talk on your home of the Pens and best Pens coverage, 105.9 The X. How does this women's game end 5-0? It's 1-0 still. The Americans just had this power play that was unbelievable. I, I haven't seen Russians under siege like that since Stalingrad. And they, they managed to... That poor goalie. And she loses 5-0. How does this happen? They're running out of time. Jesse Marshall joins me right now from The Athletic. Tim Benz with you in Fort Mark Madden. Jesse, good to talk to you again. How you been? Good, Tim. How are you? Fantastic. I uh, saw your tweets yesterday. Interesting comps that you made. 
when it comes to Riley Sheehan this season versus Nick Benino and his productivity as a Penguin last season. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what you were able to glean from the math that you did that well, basically illustrates that the difference between Shane as a center and uh, Benino, maybe not as vast as we think it is. No, it's not. And it's actually leaning Riley Shane's direction, actually. Um, you know, Nick Benino went through a pretty rough stretch of games in the middle portion of last year uh, where he was going long stretches without a goal. Uh, wasn't particularly good defensively. The Penguins' third line was uh, in the regular season and in portions of the playoffs is getting buried in the defensive end, Tim, just hemorrhaging shots and scoring chances against. I mean, you take a look at what Riley Shane's done this year, and what got me thinking about it was all the discussion sort of around the Penguins needing, um, you know, some people say a third-line center, but I actually think Riley Shane's done a good job of that. And those comments record echoed by uh, Jim Rutherford yesterday. Uh, to Josh Yogi from the Athletic, who he feels the same way. But uh, overall, is, is operating at a better points per game clip right now at even strength than uh, than Benino was. Uh, he's limiting shots and scoring chances better than Benino was. And uh, by the same tune of that, the Penguins have been a much better team puck possession wise and offensively speaking with the amount of shots they take uh, with Sheehan on the ice as opposed to Benino. So uh, it's worked out pretty well. And I, 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 you know, thinking back, what surprised me, Tim, was I didn't realize how long uh, stretches that Nick Benino had gone through last year with not scoring. And I think if we judge him, Riley Shea, and that is uh, accordingly by the ju- the guy that did the job last year, I think he's actually uh, outproducing him. Okay, that's actually a, a lot of that I agree with, Jesse, and obviously I can't disagree with the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. But, you know, as it relates to Benino of last year versus Benino of 2016, I don't know if you got that far in your analysis, but I, I agree with a lot of the, the criticisms the numbers put out there about Benino during the first part, especially of last year. I didn't think he was all that good in the first part of last year. The notion of getting another Benino, quote-unquote, I think when Penguin fans talk about that with like the Bizarre or the Pajot talk, they're talking about the Benino that we saw in the playoffs of 16 or the latter stages of 16. Yeah, and that HBK line was lightning in a bottle. Uh, it worked when Mike Sullivan put it together, Tim. Uh, it worked until it didn't work anymore, and it never worked again. Uh, so it was a very bizarre situation in the sense that we saw that grouping, that, that trio of forwards, uh, go on an absolutely magic run uh, that they were never able to replicate after that, no matter how much the Penguins had tried and putting that line together at various points throughout the year last year. It just never came back together. And, and the luxury you get out of that is that you've now basically got two second-line centers. I mean, that's how good Nick Menino was. Uh, he was basically a second-line center that could kill you some penalties and play on your second power play unit. So that's a tough ask to replicate for anybody, uh, just because those kinds of combinations that set the world on fire and kind of just seemingly come out of, out of nowhere uh, aren't things that happen every day. So I, I think that that's more the exception to the rule. But, if, but by the same token, if the Penguins can go out and get a Pajot or a Broussard, you now have got two third-line centers, Tim, and that's not a problem. As far as the Penguins are concerned, any kind, they just have to get themselves into a position where they can roll four lines the same way they did in the prior two playoff runs. As currently constructed, I don't know that that's the case, especially when it comes to that fourth line. So what do you think is the most logical route to go then, Jesse, when it comes to them approaching the trade deadline, should it be trying to find another center, call him a third or fourth liner, whatever, uh, to try to round out the depth of that position and maybe cost a little bit more in commodities going the other way? Or do you kind of trade a little bit less to get a wing? Do you hold Pat? I mean, like, what's the most likely outcome then if they like Shane as much as the numbers suggest that they should? 
Well, I think that the most likely outcome is a player like a Mark Letestu coming in. Uh, I, I would say maybe even a J.P. Peugeot coming in. Uh, somebody that can bolster that fourth-line center position and give you a little bit of juice down there. Um, now, you know, at the end of the day, I like what the Penguins have defensively. I don't think that they can sacrifice anything there. Um, if they trade a guy like Ian Colton, you now are looking at Matt Hunwick and Chad Ruweedle as your depth, right? And Matt Hunwick's going to slot in on that third pairing, and then Ruweedle's the lone guy on the backside to, to account for that. You know people are going to get hurt. So I think whatever Jim Rutherford does, I don't think he can sacrifice depth anywhere right now. Uh, you look at the forward injuries the Penguins are currently dealing with, the amount of guys they've had to call up recently. Uh, I, I don't know that this team is deep enough to sacrifice NHL parts right now. So I think what you're looking at is a deal that's going to send maybe one or two middling picks out, maybe even a prospect, uh, to bring back a guy like a Latestu or a Peugeot, uh, somebody of that ilk that can just anchor that fourth line uh, and I think that that's ultimately going to be where they stand pat at. I want to go back to the way you phrased something before, and that was about the HBK line of 2016, about how it worked until it didn't, and then it didn't work again. Um, so if they could best replicate that, though, wouldn't they want to to spread out the scoring, or do you think the best route to go is have Kessel and Malkin together and then just figure out the rest with a third line of some sort? I think the best route to go is to try to separate Malkin and Kessel. Um, I really, and it's sample size being the caveat here, Tim, but what we saw out of Hornquist, Malkin, and Hagelin was unbelievable in their time together. Uh, that line was almost unstoppable some nights. Uh, and I know, again, you know, we're looking at, you know, less than 10 full games as a sample size here, but if we compare Hagelin, Malkin, and Hornquist to last year's hottest line, which was Sherry, Gensel, and Crosby, they were even more dominant than that, which I didn't even think was possible. So I, I think you're going to get more of that when those, when especially when Hornquist is healthy. I think Mike Sullivan's goal is to put Phil Kessel on the line by himself. Uh, Jim Rutherford made an interesting comment yesterday uh, to the Athletic when he indicated that he felt Phil Kessel's best performances uh, were going to come uh, and have come when he was on a line by himself, uh, and it makes him take the initiative to take the shot, makes him take the initiative to create the offense, and that's what they're looking for. Uh, so the question becomes, uh, that person that plays with him is either going to be Riley Shane, who got a vote of confidence from Jeff, Jim Rutherford on that front yesterday, or you try to tinker, uh, and if you bring in a guy, again, like a Latestu or somebody like that that can fill a third or fourth line center role, you see if you can recreate some, uh, some Kessel um, uh, magic uh, there, uh, potentially try a couple pairings out before the playoffs and see if something gets hot. Um, if they're in a position, Tim, where they can find something that works there uh, and they can replicate that, you now put the opposing coaches in a situation where they have to choose between loading up on Crosby, Malkin, or a rejuvenated Kessel line, and I don't know that there's any right answer to that. Yeah, 60 seconds here, Jesse, just to follow up. It is kind of like the Phil paradox, isn't it, in the sense that you put Kessel with Malkin, then... Maybe you lose a little bit from Malkin because he's trying to feed Phil. If you take Phil and put him with a lesser center, then maybe not getting the whole Phil Kessel that you should. But I just think if you have somebody who's quasi-offensively talented in that center role, it might be the closest way to replicate what you had in 2016. And I'll tell you what, Tim, if you look at the goals that Riley Shane is scoring, you don't remember, this is a guy that went 81 games, led a goal last year, finally scored in the final game of the regular season, and then started this year off the same way he started off last year. Uh, it, confidence is really, you know, the, the phrase gripping the stick too tight. 
you know, when you're not scoring, the tendency is to just start ripping shots at the net, whether they're good shots or not. And I look back at the last two goals that Riley Sheehan scored where he's coming in, he's being patient, he's, he's dipping his shoulder or making little subtle deeks that force the goaltender to move first. So for me, that's a guy that has confidence again. Uh, and I think that's the biggest part of his game that was missing when he came to Pittsburgh. And now that he has it, uh, you know, the people in Detroit will tell you this is a guy that can score 15 to 20 goals for you when he's feeling it. Uh, and the Penguins just got to hope that, that that's the mode he's in right now. And it certainly looks that way on the ice. Jesse, thanks. Perfect. Appreciate the time. Glad you could join us. We'll talk again soon, I hope. All right. Thanks, Tim. All right. That is Jesse Marshall from The Athletic. We're going to hear from Josh Yoey of The Athletic later on the week. Phil Bork and Dayan Kovacevic, too, as we have tons of hockey talk to go between now and when Mark comes back on Friday. I will be at Buford's before the L.A. Kings game on Thursday. Uh, thanks not only to Jesse, but also to Stan Saverin and Gord Wilson for joining us to talk hockey as well. I'll be back with you tomorrow on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Up next, though, is the pregame show as we get ready for Senators and Penguins. Play-by-play from PPG Paints Arena coming your way at 7 o'clock on the X.